0: You've been rescued, and it is past, present, and future tense all rolled up into one. The past tense, God's justified you, and we'll talk about that coming up next. You have been saved saved from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and one day soon, the presence of sin. That is a past, present, and future rescue, if you ask me. That's exactly what we're looking at here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Welcome to our broadcast. Our weekend edition has us looking at Romans chapter 3 and 4 today, justification, God's gift to the rescued. Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
1: God comes to him and says, Abram stop being afraid I will be your shield, you know a better tent isn't too good a fortress I'll be your shield and your exceeding great reward Abram said, well I'm glad you brought up reward because all I got in my house is a barren wife and me I'm about 99 years old and I got this slave Eliezer around here. I guess I'm going to have to have children. He's going to get everything I own because you won't give me any children. I have no posterity. God said, Abram, follow me. I want you to step out of the tent. And out in that desert, no artificial light. Look up, would you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, start counting. One, two, three. Yeah. He said, there's your posterity. God, I just want one. We don't have one. He said, I said, look up there. I'm going to make you have enough posterity, you'll think it's the stars of the heaven. I'm going to This this is your posterity coming. Look at the heavens. Now, I know Sarah's barren. She can't have children. And you're going to be nearly 100 years of age by the time I fulfill the promise. Uh, what do you think, Abram? If you said it, I believe you. I believe you've got the power to keep your promise. That's all he did. God said, you know, you know what, Abram? Just for doing that, I'm going to count you righteous. I'm going to give you credit for being right with me. Now, Paul takes this. He said, this is the basis of New Testament salvation. Because in the New Testament, God says, I can save you. And you go out and say, I don't believe it. You don't know I'm ungodly. You don't know the sins I've done. You don't know how corrupt I'm. I am. Wait, wait, wait. Would you look at Calvary? Okay, I'll look. I, I in, I'm going to put all your sins there. And then I, I'm going to kill my son Men are going to help me out. There'll be seven people I, I will accuse for killing my son. He names them in Acts. But I'll be one of the killers. I will put you to death. And, and uh, well, how can how can a corpse do anything for me? Oh, by the way, I have the power to raise him from the dead. If I could take Sarah's womb, that is as good as dead, and bring a nation out of it, I could raise my son. He said, wait, 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 Can you believe that? Your whole eternity will rest on whether you believe God can keep the promise of the gospel to save you because he raised one dead man from the dead in, in Christ. And he's saying, you're dead in sin. I can raise you too if you believe. Now watch what he says here. What then shall we say? It, it, was he justified by works? No. He believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. But this this is a gift God's giving, so you can't earn it by wage. God doesn't owe you a wage. And to the one who does not work... But believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted, is imputed, is put to his credit as righteousness. When you believe God, He puts the righteousness of Christ to your credit. And notice who what kind of people he justifies. What kind? To the to the church going who believes, he justifies. Does yours say that? What kind? I can't hear you. You can go to heaven if you can live perfect. Or you can trust the gospel. Yeah, you better when you've been as ungodly as us. You've never been perfect. No one. To the ungodly, that's not very complimentary. Some translation to the wicked. I hate to think that I was wicked at 14. I, my children were saved at five. Say, hey, you little wicked, ungodly thing. You, you need Christ. <laughs> but in God's sight. He said, I wasn't in your interest. You, you didn't think of me. When I was studying justification in college, we used to use a book by William R. Newell who used to teach at Moody uh, Institute in Chicago. And he tells the story, William R. Newell, footnote in his book, of how he was holding Bible, daily Bible studies at the Century Theater in St. Louis, Missouri. And while he was there, uh, one day, A man came up to him and said, I am captain, and in the book he doesn't give his name, but a man very widely known in the city, and he sat down to talk with Newell, and he said, you are talking to the most ungodly man in town. I said, well, thank God what he cried do you mean you are glad that I am bad no I said but I'm certainly glad to find a sinner that knows he is a sinner oh you do not know the half I have been absolutely ungodly for years and years and years right here in St. Louis I own two Mississippi steamers and of course gambling prostitution drunkenness everything happened on those steamers Everybody knows me. I am just the most ungodly man in St. Louis. I could hardly get him to be quiet enough to ask him, did you hear me preach on the ungodly people today? Mr. Newell, he said, I have been coming to these meetings for six weeks. I do not think I've missed a meeting, but I cannot tell you a word of what you said today. I did not sleep last night. I've hardly slept for three weeks. I've gone to one man after another in this city to find what to do and what they say. I've read the Bible. I've prayed. But I am the most ungodly wretch in this town, and I don't know how to change. I waited here today to ask you, I am so ungodly. What can I do now I said, let's turn to the verse that I preached. And he turned, he had him read it. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And Newell says to him, uh, Uh, but he cried how can this be for me I am the most ungodly man in St. Louis wait I said I beg you go on reading so he read to him that worketh not but believeth on him he will justify the ungodly there he fairly shouted that's what I am Then I said, the verse says not to do, and you want me to tell you something to do. I cannot do that. Now, there must be something to do. If not, I shall be lost forever. Now, listen with all your soul, I said. There was something to do, but it has been done. Then I told him how God so loved him and all godly as he was that he sent Christ to die for the ungodly and that God's judgment had fallen on Christ who has been forsaken of God for his captain so-and-so sins there on the cross. Then I said, God raised up Christ and sent us preachers to beseech men and the ungodly as they are to believe on this God who declares righteous the ungodly on the ground of Christ's shed blood. The captain said, I will accept that proposition. The next day he came to the theater and he asked Newell, he said, may I say a word to the audience? And he gets up. I want to tell all of you of the greatest proposition I ever found. I am a businessman and know a good proposition. But I found one yesterday that so filled me with joy that I could not sleep a wink all night. I found out that God, for Jesus' sake, declares righteous any ungodly man that trusts him. I trusted him yesterday, and you all know what an ungodly man I was. I thank you all for listening to me, but I felt I could not help but tell you of this wonderful proposition that God should count me righteous. I have been such a great sinner. The gospel justifies ungodly people. It justified you. Your sin isn't greater than the atonement. Your sin is not greater than the cross. You're, don't you insult God and say oh, you don't know what I've done God knows every sin you've ever done want to do, wish you could have done, what you might do he said I have paid it in full at Calvary, I will count you righteous if you'll believe me if you'll believe me if you'll believe me God is occupying heaven with people that like Christ paid the price to justify he believed God and it goes on in uh, Romans 4 if you read the rest of the narrative it said against hope he believed though he considered his body as good as dead and when he looked at Sarah though a beautiful woman and he said you just can't give me children your womb has become a tomb there's no life But if God said, you and I are going to have a family, we're going to have a family. You better start decorating the room. You You know, they couldn't buy any pampers. They just had to get ready. (laughs) But just think, as a hundred-year-old man, not not Hagar and Ishmael, but you shall have a promised son through Sarah. And he takes that, so likewise, brother, has God put his son to death because of your transgressions and because he's going to declare you righteous? He raised his son from the dead and he said, if I can make an old couple all of a sudden become the father of nations and kings will come out of him. Messiah will come out of him. What can I do for anyone that will believe my promise? I'll give them righteousness. One other character, then we close. David speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteous, apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Surely not adultery, because he was an adulterer, was he not? Surely not murder. We can't go to prison and tell a murderer God can give you credit for the righteousness of Christ if you'll believe. You can't say that, can you? David says you can. David said, I'll be there. I was treachery. I'm what you write soap operas about. A treacherous, lusty, old man that had many women in his harem, but I wanted one more and applauded. I was evil. I was as crooked as I could be. Blessed is the man, and I'm that man. He didn't charge with the sin. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. You remember he told God in Psalm 51, if you demanded a sacrifice, I'd bring it, but there's nothing in the law that says I can atone for what I did. All I can give you is a broken heart. God said, I'll forgive you because I see Calvary even from where you are, David. Someday I'm going to pick up the debt and pay it. I want to pay for your adultery. I want to pay for your murder. I want to pay for your plot. God can't save those kind of people. Heaven's going to be full of them. Heaven's going to be full of them. You couldn't get them there, but God can. God can. God can. God can. Because God paid a price. God paid a price. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Anybody here like that? My dad used to read that verse to me. He said, who is that man if it's not me? I said, well, have you robbed a bank or something? He said, no, you just don't know what a sinner your daddy is. Your daddy's a great sinner. But i got a great Savior. When they buried John Newton, that's what he had on his epitaph. Here lies a great sinner that had a great Savior. See, this is our gospel. This is our gospel. That's why Luther said, this is the plank of all Christianity. And I tell you, I cannot tell you enough how this message is what gets lost in church. We fuss about more minor things. We get preoccupied with this, with that, with this, with that. This is what he built the church on. This is what heaven gets filled by. This gospel, this gospel, not works. Not Phariseeism. Not thinking you're right. Have you ever said, I am ungodly. I fall short of the divine expectations. No matter if I haven't done 90 terrible sins, I fall short. I cannot merit a righteous standing. And God says, Can you believe? Can you believe my promise that I can give you the merits of Christ? And I'll put it on your account. And That's the positive. I get a positive righteousness. And by the way, watch this. I just erased every sin you've ever done. It's all erased. You got erased. It won't be charged against you. I charged it to my son. And now my son's righteousness I've charged to you. God made him to be sin for us. He took my sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. I- Reverend Bunyan, he was so convicted about his sins for months he could find no peace. And he said one night, he's walking through a weed field and he said all of a sudden the words of another great sinner came to him, Philippians 3, 9. And that I might be found in him having a righteousness not of the law, but the righteousness that comes to us by faith in Christ. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God can treat you like he treats his son because He sees you clothed in Him. So many churchmen, we stay beat up with our guilt and our shortcomings and all the failures. We're we're full of them. You know what? He didn't say He made you perfect. He imputes righteousness. The Catholic Church said He infuses righteousness. He makes you righteous at that. No, 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 no. You, You get saved and you go away, you're still a sinner. You still can blow it. You can still sin. God's got to spend a lifetime teaching you to act right. And He's working on it. By the time He's got you perfected, He's going to take you home. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, He's spending a lifetime getting us there. But in a moment, in an instant, He declares you to have a righteousness that's only found in Christ. Can you believe Christ? Yeah. Have you? You want to go to heaven? Believe God's promise that he can raise you from the depth of your sin and from the depth of your ungodliness. Admit I can never merit you. I can't do enough to please you. I want I want to go to heaven. I uh I close I, I'm often moved by it on believing a promise. I've told it before uh but it's moving that uh I went to a preaching convention in Fresno before I started this church and a man got up and he told the story of how uh, a soul moving revival had happened in their community. And this one man in the community was converted. These were uh, Oklahoma, Arkansas tent meetings, revival, probably about 1930s in that period of time. Many people coming to Christ, and this one man became a believer, but his wife was unsaved, and his children were not saved. but this man began to have strange habits in which he was gone every morning, gone every morning, and be out of the house soaked before the sun ever came up and This went on for weeks, and finally, the wife was curious what got him out of bed so early, so she Told the eldest son I want you to get up in the morning and track your father I don't know where he's going so early I don't know what's happening find out for me try not to be seen tell me what you find out so the boy started doing this did it for about a week and uh, uh, finally he told his mom she asked him, what's going on and he said mom I I followed him to the edge of town. I followed him a little bit in the woods. And there's a cut off log there. And he he goes there and he kneels. And he prays. Every morning. He prays about an hour before he goes to work. And, uh, and she said he says some strange things. But I'm not sure. In a matter of time, the wife got saved. Matter of time, three or four children were saved. And finally one morning they were all sitting around breakfast and the wife's going to say, Honey, you don't know, but I've been having your son track you for weeks. And tells me you go to this place and that you pray and whatever. She said, he said that you, you, you said some kind of strange things and that they could hear you uttering at times in that prayer that you, every day you seem to say but you promised Amen. but you promised she said we're curious we're curious what did you mean by that he said oh oh he said that's Acts 16 31 and 32 She said what's that He said, it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and your whole household. And I've been quoting to God every morning, but you promise, but you promise, but you promise. And what was the clincher for me? He said, I know this to be true because I was the eldest son. I was the one that tracked him, and I've been preaching the gospel now for 30 years. But I am a result of a morning prayer meeting that my dad said, I want to cash in a promise. The cross surely bought my boy, the cross surely bought my wife, but you promised. Let me tell you, you're going to be governed by problems or guided by promises. On Valentine's morning, Carol and I rehearsed our years together and what we've seen God do, and we
0: simply said, He's kept His promise. And this is Truth For Today, the radio ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, and our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. If you would rather write to us, here's our address, 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, the zip code 94547. So again, you can reach us by phone, by mail. Or, better yet, stop by our website and drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. You can find us at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. And then, if you would like to join us here at Valley Bible Church for worship, Sunday services are at 9 and 11, and directions can be found at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855 833